invite her to your meetings. I don't yeah. know, you know? Like, all the people at the AA meetings are like, listen, we already heard Jughead's story, so, like, it can't get any weirder. Oh, it got weirder. Oh. Oh, interesting. You were in a cult? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is if you had a bunch of palladium and you had to smelt it down into something, what would you make? And my um, idea for what I would make out of the palladium is Dungeons & Dragons minis for combat. God damn it, that's a good answer. It's so freaking cool. Yeah. Oh, man, I did it's not see that silver. answer coming. Just in all silver, you're not even going to paint them. Like, it's just all going to be Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, and palladium safe to the touch, so. Mm. Well, it is in this canon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I like it. That was creative as hell. Thanks. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I hate that it's 32 because it's after my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Ugh. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, I have I have had two thoughts here. The first one is obviously to make Sam and I matching rings. Okay. <laughs> the second one is, I hate the color silver. I would sell the palladium mm. and buy gold. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now I have a question, because Robin had an idea of what I was going to say. Yeah. What were you going to What did you think I was going to do? Enamel pins. Palladium enamel pins? I don't know. That I don't know what palladium is. Hardly, <laughs> it's usually used for like like electronics. Yeah, I'm just like it's a metal. Yeah, so I would like sell it and buy some of it and then make enamel pins with the other stuff. Mm. But yeah, that's a good answer. Good, good <laughs> answer. Good <laughs> answer. Thank you. <laughs> And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey, so you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. You're from me. So true. Actually, on that note, Sam, I literally just got a notification from Sam that said the sins we commit from each anamic. Yeah. And I just think that applies here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, my... Only real thing that I'm like, logically, I could smelt this into a ring is mm-hmm. my thought. But I also don't really care for silver. And um, if it's mostly used in technology, I would just smelt it into whatever it would be used for like a giant computer for myself. Because oh. now my wife has one and I want one. And then, and okay, so you make one, say you make one chip or something, or you make a whole fleet. You sell them to Apple for twice what they're worth, and Apple will buy it, because they've been having supply issues lately, and that's funny to me. And they still, they have more money than God. And then you have more money than God. Exactly. I will say, of everyone, uh, Robin did have the most creative answer, and I think she should be proud of that. Her puppy just fell down the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry if you hear him. Here's the thing, is that he sleeps for, like, two hours before we record, and then as soon as we record, he is crazy. And I know what you're thinking. Why don't you, uh, you know, freak him out and everything before you record so that he's tired when you record? And I, the answer is that I'm usually editing other podcasts during those two hours. And so I can't really play with him during those two hours. And I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I wish that I could play with him and work at the same time, but I simply cannot. That's okay. We'll just give him little pets from time to time. Yeah. Hopefully he will be chill. I love this. 
this dog. I think at the end of last week's episode, I was just like holding him while he squirmed for like two minutes. Yeah, it was extremely funny. Today we have words to say about episode 516 of Riverdale, Band of Brothers. So Band of Brothers is a 2001 American war drama miniseries based on a 1992 nonfiction book. It was created by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks because they worked on Saving Private Ryan together. And it basically dramatizes the history of Easy Company from jump training in the United States through its participation in major actions in Europe, etc., etc. And it's Boomer War stuff. Yeah, and it's based on like actual (laughs) research and recorded interviews. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I remember it winning Emmys. This episode is also directed by Robin Givens. The the work that Robin Givens does. To do two episodes in a row is insane. It's gotta be COVID stuff. Yeah. The amount of work that it takes to do one, I can't imagine doing two in a row. Mm -hmm. So now we're gonna do Tudor Boot. And when we watched it last night, all of us were like, um, this episode is a boot. It's not that I didn't like anything that was happening. It's also that I didn't really like anything that was happening. It was just kind of like, okay, sure. Upon rewatch, I think I'm going to give it a newt because I didn't dislike anything. Yeah. Well, like, our scale for this is were we entertained. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, even when Riverdale is bad, bad, if it's also entertaining, it works. But when it's boring as hell also... It's a boot, so I'm giving it a boot. I think that I'm going to give it a newt, but I, because like I wasn't overly upset or interested in any of it. Like I was just bored. But upon rewatch, I'm interested in giving it a boot because I'm so mad about the Alice stuff. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I just felt like there were like two things that ultimately happened, you know, Mm-hmm. you know, at the end of this episode, Jughead still hasn't written a book, and Bed and Tabitha are still doing dangerous things, you know? Yeah. And then, like, you know, there was just kind of, there wasn't that much... Nothing happened. ...to write home about. Yeah. <laughs> Other I than, would like, say the Cheryl stuff. The most notable thing that happened is that Ronnie's out of debt. Yeah. And that Cheryl is crazier than usual. But, like, again, we already knew is that, that even crazy. news? Yeah. And then the Archie stuff is, like, his crooked general is still crooked, but now it's lawfully binding or whatever, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it just didn't really feel like very much happened. It was an episode of wrapping up previous storylines that I think they forgot they established. Mm-hmm. Like the Taylor stuff and the Jughead book stuff. Yeah. Originally we were like, okay, well, we'll end with Cheryl because we felt like it was the most sort of interesting. It felt like the most actually happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after we did our notes, we realized we have the least amount of notes about Cheryl. Yep. So we decided to start with Cheryl. Okay, fair enough. And I believe Sam did the summary for the Cheryl storyline. Yep. Did you do that because you're gay? A little. Cool. At church, Cheryl and Kevin thank the congregation for coming and then begin to do a medley from Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, then Penelope stands up and is like, eh, no. She walks up and says, I've had a revelation. No more musicals. <laughs> uh, by Jason's command. And I'm like, she's, she's probably right for that. Yeah. Later, Kevin and Cheryl scheme to get Penelope beneath them so that she'll stop raining on Cheryl's parade. Kevin tells her that all she has to do is upstage her mother. If she performs three miracles, she qualifies for sainthood. Kevin explains that in junior high, he was obsessed with David Copperfield, so he's got a pretty good idea about how they can make these miracles happen. Honestly, pretty gay hobby. Gay derogatory. At church, Cheryl decides to skip the homily and provide a demonstration of her absolute authority in the ministry. Penelope is like, lol, okay, work. And then, uh, 
And then she watches as Cheryl claims that Jason has given her the ability to turn water into maple syrup, the nectar of the gods. <gasps> Penelope rolls her eyes, but the rest of the plebs in the audience are just, like, easily fooled. So Not they're like, plebs. nice. At another sermon, Kevin introduces Cheryl's next miracle. As she bleeds from her hands, mimicking the stigmata, uh, Kevin claims that she bears the holy wounds of Jason, which makes no sense because he was shot in the head, not crucified. (laughs) Upstairs, Cheryl says that spreading light and love is so exhausting, and Kevin says, well, that's the Broadway grind, and I'm like, I hate gay people. Kevin has a list of potential third miracles, and he's leaning towards turning a staff into a snake and vice versa, which is a reference to the story of Moses, by the way. Cheryl says that his ideas are good, but she's already got her third miracle. Uh, She brings up the time that she got revenge on Mr. Honey in high school. Kevin isn't jazzed about it, though, because bees are not in his repertoire. She tells him not to worry, because apparently Nana Rose was an avid beekeeper in her youth, and she taught all her tricks to Cheryl. Sure. Kevin presents Cheryl's final miracle, uh, but Penelope stands up and claims that they're presenting a farce. She calls Kevin a heretic, and then Kevin asks the congregation who they'll believe. Cheryl, who shared a holy womb with Jason the Divine, or her mother, the whoremonger, an escaped convict, as if it wasn't her womb that carried them both. (sighs) Anyway, Cheryl interrupts them and starts waving around bees and honeycomb. She tells Penelope to get out of here, or she'll smite her because she's queen of the bees. Later, Later, Kevin asks... How she was able to manage the bees, she tells him that she didn't have any insect repellent on or anything because something has shifted inside her. She feels powerful and it's inexplicable. She says that she feels more connected to things than she has in years. What if she's actually a saint? What if she's holy? Wouldn't that be a miracle? Mm, Stupid. I, once again, I hate gay people. (laughs) As As a a gay people. As a gay people, I'm allowed to say that. So Cheryl and Kevin are going to do a song from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and honestly, Again? I'm... No, Jesus Christ Superstore was the first one. Yes. Yeah. Jesus I just Christ said Superstore! Superstore! Beep. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> I'm honestly pissed that we didn't get to see this. I would have liked to see it. I like yeah. musicals. Yeah! Especially from musicals. However, I do have to say that we were, like, teased a couple of times. <gasps> oh. uh, this episode in this storyline is a huge fake-out. They keep playing that chord... On an organ from Phantom of the Opera, like that chord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so then it's like, they hello? And then they don't follow through. It happened twice. I'm, and it, it, I guess it must be like Penelope's theme yeah, or something. Yeah, every time it was Penelope. But I was like, are you kidding me? Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So Penelope says, no more singing, and she's dressed in white for some reason. She says, Jason says so, so, sorry. Um, and she also mentioned that he was a young man of few words, which made me laugh very, very hard because- It's true, she did. Obviously, we have never heard Jason speak. Yeah. So then we move on to Kevin and Cheryl, and Cheryl's in green. Which is different. Yes. Usually it's the red moments. It works out perfectly with her hair. I just wonder, what made us do that costume department, you know? I would like to see her in green more often. Yeah. And so Kevin's like, well, your mom's just jealous that you're so beautiful and also a star. I want to also say, Mm -hmm. all her outfits in this episode are banging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the fringe on the pink number in the first one, I'm obsessed. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the, like, suit outfit when she turns the water into maple syrup is inc- iconic. Yeah. I am convinced Madeline stays on this show because of the wardrobe. Yeah. That would make sense. And so they're like, okay, we need to prove that you're the high authority, so you need to... He says upstage her, because he loves theater. And so she needs to do three miracles to qualify for sainthood. 
And like you said, Kevin said he loved David Copperfield in middle school. And so Cheryl shows up. She says, hello, today I will do a miracle. How fancy. She changes water into maple syrup. And all these people believe it? Sure. They're so stupid. Okay. They're not here to have brains, Robin. God. They feel like people who would fall for televangelism. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the next one is Cheryl manifesting the collective pain of the congregation. And he calls her skin alabaster here. And then later he says porcelain. So, oh, uh, Someone's been spending some time on AO3. He's Hmm. like, hey, a thesaurus. (laughs) I've met one. I've got one. And then we see these holes in her hands. And originally I thought, okay, well, that must be, obviously it's a crucifixion thing. Yeah. But I'm like, then he says it's the pain of Jason or like the wounds of Jason or whatever. (laughs) So I'm like, are these supposed to be gunshot wounds in her hands? I don't think so. No, it's supposed to be crucifixion wounds because the stigmata is like, that's what that is. Oh. But he says it's the holy wounds of Jason, Mm -hmm. not Jesus. Right. You can't use the wounds of Jesus and the stigmata and like that whole concept and then just say it. Jason, when we saw how Jason died, yeah. which was getting shot in the head, and then having his corpse burned. Like, if you want to come out here with burn wounds, you, know what? you want to come out here on with, fire. Uh, like, bleeding from your forehead, go ahead. Do do your best. Set yourself on fire. Do that one Katya like, look where she removed her bangs, <laughs> and there was just the symbol <laughs> the of third Satan. eye. Yeah. Uh, God. But no. Uh, this made me angry. Like, I am the Methodist version of a lapsed Catholic, but this made me angry. You know what I mean? If they it's, hadn't... It's because it's lazy. It's yeah. lazy and it's insulting. I think that if they hadn't said stigmata, what I would have put into my head was, okay, it's Jason's wounds, but it's in, in her hands to represent the crucifixion. Yeah. Because he used the word. Yeah. Then that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so Penelope's like, hey, uh, this is stupid. <laughs> Tag yourself, I'm Penelope. And basically that's that scene. Yeah. So then later Cheryl's like, oh, I am so tired from lying. Well. And Kevin says, well, hey, that's the Broadway grind. And I'm like, Kevin. What? I know that you love theater and you feel like what you're doing is theater. However, theater is supposed to bring people joy and happiness and catharsis. And this theater is doing like damage, you know, it's lying. It's, it's lying and not in a fun way. And it's, it is televangelism. Yeah. It's bad. It's not. And it's, you're, you're like brainwashing people. It's self-serving. It's not for the congregation. It's for them. I just want to say that I do not claim this as theater. Mm -mm. And Sam doesn't claim it as church. Yeah. I claim it as Parody. Mm-hmm. So they're like, what should we do for our third miracle? Um, he wants to do the staff and the snake trick, but she wants to do stuff with bees. And Kevin says that he is highly allergic to bees. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe we're getting new canon every single day. <laughs> God, like, new canon. We get new canon that Kevin is allergic to bees. And we get new canon that Mana Rose was a, bee was a beekeeper. beekeeper. What? No, what? So that Rose sounds so done? accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... When they say things like, oh, within the um, the seven-year time jump, like, Kevin got a dog, you know? Yeah, and then, like, and then right. it's like, okay, well, that's, I guess, new canon that now he has a dog. But when he says, I'm highly allergic to bees, that's something that affects the entire show that you've done, you know? Yeah, but they don't notice it like that. Yeah, oh, no, you know? I know. It's just like, now we're going to go back 
And I know that they didn't, like, feature bees or anything previously, but, like, if they had, we could have gone back and been like, well, Kevin was stung by a bee and didn't go into anaphylactic shock in the past. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's just, like, it's brand new canon that is, like, apparently really important. Mm Mm-hmm. No, but apparently, actually, it wasn't important. I was like... Because he was like, I'm allergic to bees, and then nothing happened, so... I know, I was like, is he gonna get stung by one of the bees, and then it's gonna be a plot point, or... (laughs) It's gonna be a whole My Girl situation. No! (laughs) So, yeah, Nana... My Girl situation! That was dark. Yeah. I don't know what that means. You haven't seen My Girl? My Girl? The movies? No, I only know the song from the game plan. Oh, well. That's probably okay. (laughs) Basically, dead kids. Mm. It's a very good movie. Yes. And it's based on a book. So then Nana Rose is apparently a beekeeper. Sure. So she's like, I, and I know things about bees because she was a beekeeper, apparently. So then they talk about how she's got the taming of the bees and her purity keeps her safe from the bees. So if you've ever been stung by a bee, you're an asshole. Because <laughs> you're not good, apparently. I read a Tumblr post the other day. Mm-hmm. Where it was, like, a little graphic of a floating bee, and it was like, this is the happy bee. It will bring you happy thoughts. And some replied went, I hate bees. And the OP went, then you get the wasps. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm thinking about during this, then you get the wasps. (laughs) So then Penelope comes up and says that it's a farce, and if you believe this, our church is a sham, basically. Mm -hmm. Your church was always a sham. Your church started as a sham. Yeah. And so Kevin's like, oh, well, who will you follow? Cheryl shared the womb with Jason, and her mother is a whore and a convict. And like you said, Sam, it was her womb. She made Jason herself. Yeah. Like, she has the divine holy womb. Has more of a connection to Jason. It is the person who, like, literally, like, crafted him in her body. Like, I. Really? Yeah. Y'all are stupid. And I. Did they really call her a whore? Yeah. A whoremonger. Man, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. But basically his argument falls apart real fast, but once again, the people who are sitting in here don't aren't, aren't super bright, and so they probably, I, I assume, listen to Cheryl. And so she's, like, clutching these honeycombs, and she says she's the queen of the bees. Listen, if she had said, I'm the queen bee, I would have agreed. Ooh. Queen of the bees? I don't know. I mean... Queen bee would have slapped. Yeah. I would have picked that as a favorite line award. Mm-hmm. This was stupid. <laughs> yeah, my next note is, what the heck is this? Um, also, like, why would you claim to be queen of the bees? You're in church. Or should you not be queen of the Jason? Yeah. I, this is stupid. Um. So then later, Kevin asks how she did that, like, insect repellent? And she's like, no, I feel like I might actually be a saint. So I'm like, no. if this is magic witchy Cheryl, then I'll take it. But if it's not, I don't know what this is. Yeah, I was like, we should only be so lucky to actually have Cheryl be a witch. Yeah. I would like it. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's what happened with Cheryl this episode. Maybe she's a bee witch. Maybe. Bewitched! Bewitched! <laughs> so, now let's talk about Archie? <laughs> sure. <Okay. laughs> Go from a bee witch to PTSD. Yeah. I'm like, listen, our last episode was pretty short, and I feel like this episode might be short, although I always jinx it when I say that. However, next episode looks like, exciting. Like, actually exciting, so I feel like we'll have stuff to tell. I loved last episode. It's just sometimes when you like something so much, you don't have a lot to say Mm -hmm. about it because you're just like, I had a great time. Well, it's also, it was very self-contained, right? So there wasn't really much, like, theorizing or anything to do about it. Exactly. There's not much, like, long-term consequences on Mm -hmm. either side of it. Yeah. It really played like a backdoor pilot to Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, did, yeah. Uh, so I did the summary for the Archie storyline. <clears throat> so Archie is still struggling seeing the soldiers that died on his watch. He learns that his crooked general is retiring with honors and he's real mad about it. 
He tells Uncle Frank that there was something risky that needed to be done, so Archie did it because he was the leader there, but when he got back, everyone was dead. He goes to see the general, who tells him not to cross him or else he'll make him the scapegoat. Archie's gonna do it anyway, regardless of the consequences, because he's Archie. Eric isn't so sure, so Archie says that he'll go and see the families of the fallen soldiers, and he'll only do it if he gets their blessings. So he goes to see three family members, uh, and they are varying degrees of supportive. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're not really into it. Eric is still worried because it turns out that he left the troop vulnerable because the general told him to go snipe this warlord, and Eric feels that karma came for him already, but is terrified that there's more. Archie says he'll leave Eric out of it. On the day of the trial, Archie's ready to go, and Eric decides to help as well. Later, Archie gets a call that tells him that Eric is in the clear and General Taylor is on the outs. They toast to the soldiers of the White Worm that night. That's it. Yep. <laughs> That do be it. Yeah. It was kind of gay, though. It was so gay. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want to have, like, some redeeming thing here. Yeah. It, it was really gay. I have notes about that later. Okay. For sure. <laughs> so, Archie's eating mini wheats, Brittany. <laughs> Archie's eating mini wheats, Brittany. <laughs> What are your thoughts on this? Okay, here's the thing. He's eating dry mini weeds. Yeah. Yeah, but he's wearing, he's eating with a spoon. So, are you sure that they're dry? There's, I could not see any milk in that bowl. That's for co- continuity so they can do it over and over again. It doesn't get soggy. I know. But I could not see why, a single thing of milk in that bowl. Why would you eat dry mini weeds with a spoon? I don't know. Because he's a, da- he's a dainty little boy and uh, he doesn't want to use his fingies. Yeah, she's right. It's that one. Mm-hmm. I used to do this weird thing at breakfast where I would eat dry mini weeds for breakfast mm-hmm. because... They were big, and I could eat a lot of them, and if I ate them slowly enough, it would actually fill me up. And then it just shredded the top of my mouth, and I stopped doing that. Mm. So what uh, What does this symbolize for Archie? <laughs> uh, that he's gay. <laughs> oh. Only gay people do this. He's gay, and he likes fiber. Okay. So. That makes sense for him. Yeah. All the soldiers stare at Archie eating cereal. <laughs> You know what? No one ever did that to me. Actually, you know, Robin stared at me eating my mini weeks. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Dr. Winter said that he's not really safe around to be, like, to be around people. Mm-hmm. Like, he said that she was, like, worried about him being around people if he was, like, hallucinating that bad. But she, like, didn't stop him or yeah. do anything about it. So he's still just, like, struggling. And he was really good at, like, pretending and putting on a mask as if everything was fine last episode. That's for sure. Is he even medicated? Not anymore, I don't think. If, if Dr. Winters is even his doctor anymore. They better actually bring that back, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they're going to. Honestly, it feels like at the end of this one that, like, he made the ghosts that were, like, following him happy, and so now they're going to be gone, I assume. Yeah. Which is not how... Yeah, that sounds like a Riverdale solution. Yeah, that's that's more of, like... We did it, kids. We cured PTSD. It's just, like, more of, like, a medium thing. Yeah. Rather than a... I am having PTSD hallucinations thing, Yeah, You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that would be something for, like, a ghost show. So I'm just like, listen, if we're gonna make Cheryl a witch and Archie a medium, mm-hmm. go on. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll allow that. And, and Jughead gets abducted by aliens. Go on. Honestly, pl- J- at this point, Jughead, please get abducted by aliens. I'm <laughs> sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> Just take him. So the soldiers also watch him teach ROTC, um, and he's learned from, like, a magazine or a newspaper that General Taylor is retiring with full honors. And Frank is like, isn't he under investigation? And he's like, yeah, that New York Times person was going to look into it, but then her editor killed the story because there wasn't enough evidence. And I was like, ah, yes, I remember Sarah Bellum. <laughs> She actually said that out loud when we were watching, and I was like, I forgot that was her name. Mm-hmm. That's my, uh, my niche, my MO. Ugh, it's ridiculous. So Eric says to just move on, uh, but of course that's not Archie, so he's not gonna do that. Like, has Eric ever met Archie? Right. <laughs> 
So then he, Uncle Frank is asking him what's going on, and Archie sort of flashes back and tells us what happened, basically saying that they were supposed to deliver medical supplies to civilians, but it was like a cover-up to take down a warlord in the region that General Taylor was, like, obsessed with. Oh, yeah, we also decided that, like, this is Afghanistan, mm. but, like, a really weird version of Afghanistan, because that's the only war that's been, like, ongoing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, nothing about this says Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows? They definitely want it, because Riverdale's supposed to be, like, unstuck in time, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, so they want it to seem like it's, like, the 40s. It's they unstuck kind of... in time, but it's also 2021. Perpetually. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I feel like, they, if they say what war it is, then it dates it, you know, and it wants it to be, like, timeless. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want it to be, like, you can watch it at any year and be like, ah, yes, the war, you know? Assuming that there will always be war, which there probably will. The world is trash, you know? Exactly. I think it's, uh, I think it's, they're, they're being vague about it in the same way that they're being vague about whatever illness Iram had. Yeah. So they just don't have to answer questions. Yeah. So yeah, it was a cover up and he left his troops to do something more risky and he thought that he was helping them and like being the bigger person by going and doing that. Mm-hmm. But then when he got back, they were all dead. And so that's his story. And then Frank says that he doesn't know if he can win against the general, but Archie says that it's worth fighting for anyway. He's going to really try and take him down. Exactly. This is our boy. Yes. He's a good boy. (laughs) He's the golden boy. So he goes to see the general and he's basically like, hey, I hate you. Um, You were reckless and men died for it. So you need to stand down and retire quietly or I'm going to try and get you. This is a pretty bold move for a guy who could easily be killed for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he risked his life here. Yeah, the general fully could have had him killed and gone away with No him. one would have questioned it. So the general says that he's just some kid who doesn't understand the army and you will regret crossing me. Sure. And Archie says that he's going to demand a tribunal and the general says that he's going to like make an scapegoat basically. And he's like, you'll be a traitor if you do this. And Archie's like, no, you. <laughs> Ar- no, but like he literally yeah. basically no use him. He, yeah. uno, he uno reverses No, it. you. Um, and so he basically he's saying, I don't care if I get in trouble about this. It, this is about honor. And I respect that. And the general has none. Right. Yeah. So Archie's talking about how he really wants to do this. And Eric is just like not super sure about it. Um, and there's reasons for that in a later scene. But I was so struck this episode at how much Archie is Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> and Eric is totally Aaron Burr. You know, he's just always like... I'm just going to sit on the sidelines, and if we don't do anything bad, then no one can get mad at us for it, you exactly. know? And yeah. Archie's, like, always writing and writing and writing like he's running out of time, you know? He always has to be <laughs> doing something. Exactly. And, and Burr is always the one who's like, maybe let's take a step back, and if we are impartial, then no one can be mad. Exactly. Just biding our time. And it's like, okay, but um, at some point, you got to stand for something. Yeah. You got to do something, buddy. Yeah, don't throw away your shot. Nice. Um, so Eric's like, uh, okay, I'm trying to think of an excuse. And he's like, it would hurt the families of the people. And so Archie's like, okay, I understand that that's a totally valid point. I'm going to go and get consent from all of the families. And if they say yes, then we'll do it. Uh, Sam, you <laughs> brought up a point today where you were like, why are all of these families just In like Riverdale. around here? Like, why are, these, why are they all local enough that Archie can just like, drive around town in his little jalopy yeah. <laughs> and be like, hi, will you come testify against the shitty man who got your, like, family member killed? And they're all like, no. Yeah, one uh, of the ladies <laughs> even like, no, that was you. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know much about anything. About ARMY. But especially about <laughs> ARMY. Uh, <laughs> anything, huh? But I do feel like I know 
that it's extremely unlikely that Archie's unit would be filled with this with people from his hometown. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's not only a hazard in in like um, in a in a unit in the army. Yeah, because like then you have like a deeper connection to certain members of your squad than you do to the rest. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's likely that many people from the same region of the United States would have gone to, like, basic training with him or something, but... Conflict of interest. Yeah. That's what I was Exactly. I sincerely doubt that his entire unit would be boys from Riverdale mm-hmm. slash New York. All of these boys literally just, like, saw the booth at Riverdale High. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just everyone in there. And it was just all of them. Yeah. I, like, also, I have nothing else to do. I also am annoyed because every single member of his uh, unit is a man. Yeah. And this is 2021, apparently, as we've been told. And women are in the army. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. So you're going to have Britta on the football team, have mm-hmm. women in Archie's unit. Yeah, go off. I like it. I like that. Yeah. Um. As well, I think that it's like smarter and more kind to mix up people from different places so that things like this don't happen in which, like, an entire battalion or whatever is killed and you just decimate the happiness and just an entire town. You take out the entire town. You know? Yeah. You know, that's why, I assume that's why they, like, have people be from different places so that if, like, an entire thing is killed, then at least it's not like everybody in a whole town is... Yeah. I don't know. It's like everyone they know. But at the same time, like, we know nothing about the army. So it's like, maybe they do it that way? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm on a side of TikTok where um, people are, like, filming their reactions to where they're being, uh, like, deployed to. Oh. And... How the hell did you get there? I don't know. But there was these one girls who were, like, best friends, and they were supposed to be deployed to the same place, but then they weren't. Oh. It was really sad. So, like, it, it seems like people get deployed to a lot of different places. Like, almost never is the, the, the room filled with people and most people don't go to the same place. You know, it's like maybe two would go to the same place, it seems like, from what I could tell. Man, I and they're going like- And they're, and it's widespread where mm-hmm. they go to. Like, the way that I would just cross my fingers for Pearl Harbor. Because <laughs> because Hawaii, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Archie's like, okay, I'm gonna go get consent from all the families, and he get he goes to three of them, and I'm like, that's not all the families. I've I see the amount of men in the, in your visions, and there are significantly more than three of them. No, that's all of them. <laughs> so he goes to the mother Maybe. of Travis. And she's mad at Archie specifically. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Where else is she going to put her anger, right? Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. what he's, he's like, well, put it on General Taylor. And she's like, mm. <laughs> Well, that seems like, too logical. She's just like, Alexa, place should have said no by Taylor Swift. Yeah. No! Should have said no by Taylor Swift from Spotify. Alexa, stop. She's like, but you told me to. <laughs> It's like, it was like I didn't the, even get the first bit in. It was for the meme. <laughs> so we're starting with the mother of Travis, and we see Travis like sitting behind a wall, kind of listening in. And that's obviously just Archie's vision. It's still um, cool though. Yeah, and they're all like still bloodied and in their uniforms and everything. Of the three people who played the family members, I thought this woman was the best actor. Yes. I thought she was very believable. And he's like, Travis would want us to do this. You And she's like, well, you were the one who was supposed to bring him back. And so she's like, she's mad at Archie. It's yeah. weird because Archie's like, okay, I'm going to go through with it. And I'm like, I only saw you get consent from two out of three of these people. Like, that lady was continued to be mad at you. Like, I don't I think, know why. I think it's supposed to imply that he got the go-ahead from others. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we go to Jim's brother, I believe, saying that he didn't want him to join the army. He didn't think he would make it, but he was really happy when he wrote letters about, like, how great Archie was as a leader Aww. and a friend. It's really sweet. And so he believes in Archie because Jim believed in him and mm-hmm. so tells him to do it. That guy was number two out of the three actors to me. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. And then I was like, what about Travis's mom? Like, Travis's mom does not seem into it. What about Travis's mom? <laughs> like, oh, yeah! What about Travis's mom? I do love this thing with the soldiers being there in the back and everything. Like, I think it's, it's a It's really very cool well thing. done. Now, I know that this is in Archie's head and he's not a medium, like I said, but I love the idea of, like, these men not just being a manifestation of Archie and then, like, still being able to, like, listen in and understand that justice is being served for them mm-hmm. and that their families love them very much, you know? Like, it would be if it was, like, a medium type thing. Sure. So, I don't know. That's just kind of what I wish. Mm. So he goes to see Aiden's wife, and I'm sorry. I have to point it out. I have to point it out. This woman who's playing Aiden's wife, yeah. this lady is just saying words that were on the page. I I truly felt no emotion from this woman. <laughs> It wasn't good. Yeah. Sorry to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to this woman, but um, you phoned it in, buddy. <laughs> so she talks about how they were high school sweethearts, and now I need to worry about, like, our son. So she's basically like, you do whatever, bro, but I'm not going to be a part of it. So Archie's like, good enough. And I mean, yeah. Take that as a yes. Uh, so he goes back and talks to Eric, and Eric still doesn't really like it because he finally confesses that he feels partially responsible for what happened. Um, so now it's not only... Like, I wish he had said something to Archie beforehand because Archie was really struggling with feeling like it was his responsibility. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe they could have talked to each other about it and also maybe, like, shouldered some of each other's blame. Exactly. But he says that he was a sniper for Taylor and he is scared that he's going to go down for it and be, like, just go down with dishonor instead of, like, the way that he was, which would be, like, uh, honorably discharged from having been injured. But he also said that he felt like losing his leg was karma for that. Yeah. And I hope that he's talking to Dr. Winters about this because this is heavy stuff that I mm -hmm. wish, I hope that he's talking through. Exactly. And so Archie says that, uh, whatever, like, I'll keep you out of it. I'm not going to say anything about you so that, like, hopefully nothing bad happens. And Archie's like, it will be my honor to bring this win home for you, specifically. (laughs) Hello, romance? Okay. God. If you're are not, you guys gonna kiss? If you if you guys aren't watching this show, which I completely understand, if you are listening to this uh, without watching the show, I could not respect you. you more. I could not respect you more. However, I would love your opinion if you can go into this episode, watch the Archie and Eric scenes, and tell me if I'm insane. I don't think I am. I don't think I'm just manifesting this. I think, not necessarily that they're doing it on purpose, but that there are vibes. There's no, there's vibes. That, yeah. I, that I'm just making this up. So Archie's like, comes down the stairs in his uniform, and Eric, like, shows up from the back, like, coming to help or whatever. This reads like a prom reveal. Okay, Loki does, though. Right? Like, he turns around and he's He's like, oh, Eric, like, hello? Are you guys gonna kiss? Yeah, and he's like, I left my brothers once, I won't do it again. I'm like, first of all, don't say it, don't call him your brother, because you guys are obviously in love. But also, they start talking like, it sounds like wedding vows? Like, am I, I genuinely don't think I'm just making this up. Like, it genuinely sounds like that. And no, it does. If you guys aren't watching this show, and you haven't seen any of the other episodes around this, I 
urge you to go and check out that scene in particular and tell me that I'm not crazy. <laughs> so we cut from that and we don't even get to see the trial, which is kind of annoying because I feel like that would have been like the most interesting part. They probably can't, like just did not have the money for yeah. it. And it turns out Eric is let off, so he's good to go. And Taylor has been discharged with no honor, which is great. Good. So good. We did it. Yay. <laughs> and um, so they talk about how they are proud to have served with the bravest men of the whole world. And so they cheers to them about how they will never be forgotten. This is at the White Worm now. And then we see my least favorite part of the episode, to be honest, mm. which is a vision of the men okay. in just regular normal clothes. Because uh, before now, they've been, like, bloodied and in their uniforms, right? Yes. So now they're at the White Worm, and, and you know, we... We rack focus to them, all standing around there, just watching them in their normal clothes. If you hadn't seen the rest of this episode, you'd just be like, why is this group of dudes staring at them? It was so, so weird. weird. In front of the world's biggest neon <laughs> sign yeah. of the serpents. Oh, it's so awkward. So, this is symbolic that they aren't injured anymore because justice has been served for them. And I understand sure. that. Sure. But this shot was real dumb looking. Yeah, yeah. it looked stupid. Yeah, like I understood the symbolism of what we were going for, of but course. it was... It was goofy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the Archie storyline. That's it. That's yeah. l- that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, really quickly, before we move on to Veronica, uh, we are going to talk about Patreon. Um, so Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. We have a monthly Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Um, And we have some really cool perks over there. Um, at $1 a month, you get early access to all of the podcasts. Uh, this one is one day in advance, although last week I was able to do two days in advance. She's um, a fancy lady. Because I got my editing done really fast. Uh, so I'll just give it to you as soon as I have it. Um, and then our other podcasts go out a whole week in advance. Um, $2 gets you access to our Discord server where we talk about um, our podcasts and we get thoughts from listeners and uh, lots of really cool stuff like that. $5 gets you 10% off at ShoppyLux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell our wares. And I am... The first embroidery design that I ever did was of Tony, and I am doing a redo of that design. I'm excited to see that. Um, and I'm really excited to sort of, like, put them side by side. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah. And then my personal favorite is the $10 tier, um, which is our Patreon-only podcast, Okay, Love You, Hi! We talk for about 45 to 50 minutes every two weeks about whatever we want. And also whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. You we are at the $10 take- tier. We take requests. Yeah. And, uh... Then we talk about it. Yeah. Um, our most recent episode was the Aficionados origin story, how me and Brittany uh, started the Aficionados, and also the uh, origin story of Brittany and Sam's relationship. And it is delightful. And I hope that you'll check it out. If you join our $10 tier, you get all of the tiers underneath it, as well as the backlog of all of our uh, OK Love You High episodes. So <laughs> $10 feels worth it. So yeah. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's Patreon. If you can't help us out on Patreon, uh, check out ShoppyLux.com. You can help us while also getting something cool. And um, if not that, uh, recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that, whether it be this podcast or any of our other podcasts, even if that recommendation is to yourself, because this is the only one you listen to, check out some of our other ones. We'd really appreciate that. And here's Ronnie. This is lengthy because I like Duncan Here's Ronnie! Here's Ronnie! <laughs> So Chad calls Ronnie and tells her he has a new scheme to pay back all of his debts and help her. Isn't that nice? Ronnie shuts him down by saying Pearls and Posh is doing well and she can pay everyone back on her own. Thank you very much. She's going to divorce his ass. I don't know how this is possible because her business name is just awful. (laughs) At her jewelry store, Ronnie gets a call from the SEC that her books are being audited. Good thing she has clean books, right? 
Ronnie suspects that Chad wants to destroy her so that he can be the one to save her by balancing her books. Ronnie says she'd rather go to jail, so they need cash. What if they got their hands on Hiram's palladium? Reggie might know someone who knows where that is. See, he and Hermosa Loki had a thing when Ronnie was away. Ronnie's super uncomfortable with that, and it's actually hilarious. Reggie said, I'm gonna nail both Lodge sisters. <laughs> Hermosa tells Reggie where the palladium is. What a smooth operator he is. As it turns out, Hiram hid the palladium in his little model of Sodale, which is actually pretty damn clever, and I'm kind of mad about it. Reggie says they have to cut Hermosa in on whatever they make, which is fair. But how do they sell it? Ronnie says they need to smelt the palladium down into something new, like Spanish doubloons. <laughs> okay. They'll host an auction to sell them, but they need one more person for this to work. Cheryl. In exchange for a shiny new spider brooch, Cheryl will allow Ronnie to claim the palladium came from the Blossom Mines. Cheryl says yes to screwing Hiram over. Now she's off to perform a miracle with Kevin. Okie dokie. At the auction, Hiram turns up to bid on the palladium. Even though he does his best, Ronnie totally ignores his final bid and makes $300,000 on the doubloons. <laughs> he accuses her of selling them for less just so that he won't get them. And she's like, actually, I totally did that. The auction was invitation only and you were not on the guest list. Chad calls Ronnie and says that she is desperate for money because of her auction. Doesn't she want on in on his new business, Copter Cab? Where he <laughs> flies people places in helicopters? He's a silent partner in that company and he thinks that she would want in. Her dad's in, after all. Ronnie says no, that all of their investors are paid in full and her books are clean. So Chad invites her to Copter Cab's party at Hiram's place because they're going public. And Veronica's like, okay. She explains to Reggie that she's about to go old school Ronnie on Chad's ass. She shows up to the party with a group of women dressed as airline attendants. They brought drugs and booze. Ronnie tells Chad the idea of Copter Cab is brilliant and she's impressed. She tells him that she never should have doubted him, right as one of his partners announces the stock is crashing big time. Why? Because the Wallbeat Journal ran a story about Chad being in a helicopter crash. That's bad business right there. Ronnie says, oh, so that's why you were a silent partner. She calls Chad scum for stealing money from his investors to finance Copter Cab, but he totally failed. What a shock. She tells him he'll never be an alpha. He's a born beta. And then she tells everyone that they all invested in a losing scheme, including Hiram. Hiram's like, no, I barely invested anything in this. And Ronnie's like, hey, have you checked your Sodale model lately, Daddykins? So Hiram checks the model and discovered Ronnie left him rocks. <laughs> rocks. <laughs> I think it's so funny that it's like, oh, we're about to go public with Copter Cab. But then earlier, Chad is like, hey, I'm from Copter Cab. And she's like, oh, and she totally knows what Copter Cab is. So yeah. I'm like, what is the truth? Well, a lot of companies you have heard of that aren't uh, publicly traded. Mm. Like, Cricket wasn't publicly traded until recently. But, so, was it something that the public... Okay, so they're going public with, like... The their stock. stock. The stock. Oh, yes. not, okay, okay, but it's something that people already know about. Yeah, they're going, yeah, it's they're going public business with... already. Yes, it's a functioning business already. Okay. That needed to be explained because yeah, that they wasn't just clear. said... It going public, and I was like, well, if, if people know about it, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Going public means publicly traded. Yeah. Regular people can buy stock. Going public. Yeah, but, but I'm but just it, saying. Going public also means, like, I'm just launching saying, the company. Yeah, like, to the audience, that needs to be explained, because I don't know anything about stocks, and probably the mo most of the people in the audience don't know anything about stocks, and so I just think that um, you can't use lingo that's already lingo. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. You know? Fair enough. So the first thing we see of Veronica is that she's drinking Kavita. What is that? 
I've never heard of it. Did you I, Google it? I did Google it, and I saw that it is a drink. Okay, so they paid for some sponsorship on Riverdale. Yes, but they didn't pay very much because it was so far away from the, the, the like, camera that I had to, like, squint. To Wait, see. so do you think they paid less than Old Navy? Oh, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Old Navy, they said Old the Old Navy paid yeah. through the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Old Navy knows that that's a great way to get G- Gen Z to not shop there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know that Old Navy was like, well, well, if Tony shops there, then everyone likes Tony, right? She she likes girls. So all the girls who like girls will shop here because that's where Tony shops, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so she's just like watching the stocks as if it's like a Netflix show, which I think is ridiculous. I'm like, that looks so boring. <laughs> yes, it does. So she gets a call from Chad, whose name she just has as a contact as Chadwick. That's Can you it. imagine your name being Chadwick? I would prefer not to. No offense if you're listening to this and your name is Chadwick, but, like, you get it. What is your life story? I do want to know your life story. I'm interested. He's basically like, I'll get your money back because I've been working on something. And she's like, "Mm, no, you always ruin stuff, so I don't need your help. Plus, we're doing so well at Pearls and Posh. I'll be good to go in, like, a month. And then I'll divorce you. Girl, how do you have investors if if your investment group's name is Pearls and Posh? Who's to say? This is a fictional (laughs) show, luckily, so. Wait, what? (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) I had no idea this was fiction. So the SEC calls Veronica, and it is Diane Nelson who's the one who's calling. Sure. And she says, hey, can I come in tomorrow? And uh, Veronica's like, how about Monday? Stall, 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 stall. And she's like, sure. So, uh uh-oh, she's being audited. So she's like, oh, Chad must have told her, like, basically ratted me out. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm, so I guess I'll have to rat him out later. Double whammy. She's like, basically what he wants is he wants me to ask him for help. I don't want to do that, so I need money. So The way she I literally goes, I would rather go to white-collar jail is yeah. so funny to me. Yeah. She's like, okay, so I need money. Who has money? My dad. I love how every single time she and Reggie are like, oh, we have a problem. What are we going to- Ah, Hiram. But, like, unlike <laughs> previous seasons, like, Reggie was literally like, what do you mean a small loan? And Veronica was just like, no, we're going to rob him. Yeah. Like, every time they have a problem now, they just rob Hiram. That's character development. I'm just like, <laughs> imagine if she was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ask for a loan. That would be a terrible idea. That oh, would yeah. Be, I would be so mad. She'd be back under his thumb. Mm-hmm. She's going to take his palladium and sell it. And Reggie's like, oh, I can figure out where it is. It won't be in the safe anymore, but I can figure out where it is. Because Hermosa would know. And... Ronnie's like, oh, great, I'll, she's my sister, I'll call her. And he's like, no, I, I probably have a better... Better shot. Better shot. Um, in the seven years that you were gone, I did date her. I did hit that. How much older is Hermosa? Because either way, points to Reggie. He's living his best MILF enthusiast <laughs> life. However, I do have to say, I hope this doesn't stop Veronica from wanting to date him. Yes, same. Because that's still very important Ooh, to me. Yeah. Agree. She was like, ew, right? And I'm like, but, but it's not that much ew, right? Yeah, it's something ew that it's, it's Hermosa. It's not yeah. ew about Reggie. Yeah, you, you, should you can thinking. deal with it, right? Right, yeah, you should be thinking, oh, if my sister wanted him, then maybe I should also want him. And that would make sense, you know? Sure, sure, sure. She's like, oh, he, he's desirable. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. If she saw something in him, you know, like Veronica has also dated him in the past, but he's a different man now. He dated Hermosa because Hermosa was just evil Veronica. And he was evil Reggie at the time. Exactly. Wait, that's totally it, though. So he calls and he goes, hey, baby. Baby. Why does he sound like (laughs) such a dork on the phone? That's what I love, is that he's so good on the phone with all these investors, and now he's like, oh, hello. (laughs) It's been a while. It's so good. I love it. I love that he's still calling her that, and apparently she was like, hey. And she just didn't think that was weird. She just went with it. Mm Mm-hmm. So he figured out where the Palladium is, and they go to 
Hiram's house or office or wherever this is, and he already knew the security code to get in here. He's like, good thing Hiram didn't change it. I'm like, no, no, that, okay, that's unrealistic. Hiram definitely would have changed the codes after he stopped working with you. Exactly. I have to say that. So he keeps the Palladium in his Sodale mini- miniatures, but Hermosa has to get a cut of this money, which Hermosa is a great deal maker. Yes. So they're like, okay, how are we going to sell it? We're going to smelt it down into Spanish doubloons. Where did that come from? Okay. Why? I don't know. I don't know. So she's like, we need Cheryl's help. So Cheryl's like, you can never have too many spider brooches. So I guess that she either gave her a spider brooch or she made one out of the palladium. I think she had spider brooches on hand. Yeah. I'm like, how cute would it be to have a spider brooch made of palladium though? That's fancy, right? That would be cool. So she wants to have an exclusive auction. And can I say that the palladium came from your mine? And Cheryl's like, that's fine. I don't mind you using me as long as you are screwing over your dad, because I also don't care for him. Totally. I dislike this man, so go right ahead. Okay, bye. I'm going to go perform a miracle. Ha ha ha. Bye. And Veronica's <laughs> like, uh, Veronica just literally sits there, like, buffering. Ha <laughs> That's okay. <weird. laughs> At first, when Hiram first walked in, I was like, oh my god, Hiram got an invite to the auction? I did not expect that. But then later, she says that he crashed it, mm-hmm. so he was not yeah, supposed to be Yeah, he definitely crashed that. And I know that that was good for her, ultimately, because, like, he upped Mr. Sand's money and everything. Mm-hmm. But if he genuinely wasn't allowed, Reggie should have turned around and been like, out! You know what I mean? You Reggie know what? Right yeah, there. yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he should have been removed. Yeah. And so, Mr. Sand from the Opal thing is also here. He's the one who wanted the Opal. The famous Opal. Mm. I'm really, I'm really appreciating that Mr. Sand just comes when Veronica calls. Right, and has, like, two lines. And has a lot of money. Yeah. So she's like, I totally got this from the Blossoms, and it seems like this is the only thing that they're selling at this auction? Yeah, what? It was weird. Like, if I was that lady who didn't, who was there but didn't end up buying anything, I'd be like, why did I even come? Like, what was the point of this? Because she stopped bidding after, like, two bids. I feel like rich people are just bored and do this random crap for fun. They for sure do. Yeah. There are auctions on Lost, too, where it's just, like, rich people hanging out. Also, do we think that the reason that she let Hiram stay is just so she could humiliate him by ignoring him? Yes. That and also to up Mr. Sand's bid, because, like, that woman stopped bidding, right? So she wasn't going to keep going up with him, but Hiram was going to pay the ultimate price, however much it ended up being. Hiram's like, I don't care if I'm mining it myself. I'll pay however much. I just need all the palladium in the world for some reason, no matter how much it costs, which makes no sense to me, but... Like, I have no sympathy for Hiram whatsoever, Mm -hmm. but I also am like, aww. Yeah. He doesn't have any now. Yeah. (laughs) Here's why I can't stand him. He is a little bitch, but then I remember, oh, he wants it because his dad wanted it. Exactly. And then I'm like, aw, feeling. And then I'm like, wait a minute, he's a little bitch. (laughs) That's what he wants you to feel. I'm like, where's my note about this? I'm like, okay, so at the end, Hiram finds his palladium is gone, and he's, like, really, really upset. And my next note was, listen, I also don't like Hiram. Yeah. But after hearing his whole story, how does... Reggie do this to him. You know, Reggie keeps screwing him over, especially with the Palladium stuff, knowing that the Palladium, like, means a lot to him because of his father. And I'm just like, how do you do that? Knowing that- Like, here's the thing. It's important to him. Yeah, it's like, I also don't like Hiram, but, like, when you know it's, like, a family thing that's really important to him, Mm -hmm. how do you you screw him over this bad? I feel like you can empathize with Hiram while also kind of still wanting it to happen to him. Like, I think he- basically deserves it because of all the terrible, terrible sure. things that he he's done to the town. But then my little sympathetic empath brain is like, aw, 
Oh, he's sad. Yeah, I think it's like if I was Reggie, and I know that Reggie is like the rich people pay better, so I don't care, right? So he just goes wherever the money is, and that's with Veronica right now. Mm-hmm. But like, if I was Reggie, I'd be like, I am totally cool with you, Veronica, screwing over Hiram. I cannot, in good conscience, be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. You know. So at the auction, uh, we get a bid from the gentleman in the fedora, and I'm like, you're really gonna call him out like that? You're gonna call him out for wearing a fedora? And he's like, that man is like, yeah, I'm in a fedora. So yeah, what about it? I'm gonna own it. So it's basically a battle between Hiram, who wants Palladium and doesn't care if he has to pay for it, and then Mr. Sand. And Hiram keeps bidding, but they accept Mr. Sand's offer at three hundred thousand. And Hiram's like, why am I even here? <laughs> I think that was frigging hysterical. And I think as soon as yeah, it's him like waving the auction thing was <laughs> that was co- that was comedy. Eh. Senpai noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> it fully, it was so, it was so funny. Mark, Mark's great. His physical comedy was mm-hmm. chef's kiss. Yeah. And I think that as soon as she's like, haha, sold to Mr. Sand, then um, he immediately puts together all of the things that he is, was like basically tricked into doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she sold them for less than she could have made just so that he couldn't have it. And she's like, yeah, I did. Good for her. So she gets another call from Chad, and he's like, oh my god, I heard about your auction. You're so desperate. Do you want it on Copter Cab? <laughs> Isn't that, like, so sad for you? And it's like, you were in a helicopter accident. We I love that we put that together uh, when we were watching last night, before, like, it was said on the thing. We were like, but he was in a helicopter accident. That seems really in bad taste. Like, that had us rolling. So I literally, like, he said Copter Cab, and I was like, I looked at them, and I was like, wasn't he in a helicopter accident? Mm-hmm. So it's basically helicopter taxis that fly rich people to vineyards. And he's like, I'm a silent partner. And also Hiram is also in. And she's like, I don't care because I fully paid back all of your garbage just in time for my audit. Ha ha ha. And I do have to say, like I said, I don't really, I do not care for Hiram. But she fully stole Hiram's property, though, this time. No, she did. Right? Like, that was fully theft. Yes. I'm like, can she be prosecuted for that or like did he because he also got it under bad means so there's not really yeah, any it's like, way I don't for think he her. can prove it yeah. I don't think he can prove it at all yeah it's like sometimes I'd be like it's morally fine for me to do bad things to Hiram because Hiram does morally bad things mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter but then when things like this happen where it's like yeah he got them under bad means but he did get them from his own money and his own work that I'd be like I don't know I just like this is fully theft the thing is, when Hiram gets something with his own money and his own work, it's yeah. always him exploiting someone else Yeah, that's anyway. True. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard because oh, legally, of course, it's wrong. But because of the game that they play with each other and the fact that they can never go to the cops. Eh. Yeah. I think it's, the, it's just the difference between, like, stealing his investors in which, like, you're above board and the investors are taking their money back and giving it to you, you know? So it's like, haha, we're stealing it, but, like, it's not actually theft. Whereas this is like, I am stealing away into your home and taking expensive things. How? I mean, I know we watched the episode, but, you know, my brain is scrambled. How did Hiram get that palladium? uh, From the jail, underneath the jail, the prisoners Mm. got it. Mm, So he exploited his prisoners to get it? Yeah. I don't feel bad for him. Okay. So they're celebrating Copter Cab at your dad's office, so you should come by. And she's like, maybe I will. Maybe so. So Veronica's going to go on the offense now that she's all paid off because she's been doing defense and now she wants to do offense. So basically she walks in and it's just a bunch of dudes celebrating. And Veronica comes in with like women and drugs and alcohol and she's like, Chad, it was such a brilliant business idea. I'm totally impressed by you. I'm so sorry that I doubted you. Um, and he's like, haha, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
I'm like, do you not, you don't even know your own wife, buddy. You can't even he's tell so, how much He's so stupid. Yeah. And then this guy comes in and says, oh my god, my boysenberry. <laughs> the boysenberry <laughs> took me out. So, oh, god. obviously this is a Blackberry thing. Yeah. But also, who's using a Blackberry in 2021? Finance bros. Yeah. They're really secure. Oh, that's stupid. They're some <laughs> of the last people to hold out for those. God. So their stocks are going way, way down. And basically they're learning that, hey, a person from Copter Cab crashed a helicopter once and so it's going to go down in flames, just like the helicopter. <laughs> uh, so the Wall Beat Journal says that you paid to cover it up also. And so it seems like the other Copter cut co- the other Copter Cab guys didn't even know about it. The Wall Beat Journal. The other Copter Cab guys were like, wait, you're not, you were in a helicopter accident. Oh my god. So she's like, that's why you were a silent partner. So I told the Wallbeat Journal, and my reporter friend who works there, but we don't know who. We haven't heard her talk about a friend of the mm-hmm. Wallbeat Journal or anything. And then I distracted you. And so she calls him scum and says that he stole money, basically from her, kind of, to finance Copter Cab, and that he is a born beta and will never be an alpha. And you all look dumb, including Hiram. Yeah. Honestly, she looks dumb for saying beta and alpha. That's true. (laughs) And Hiram's like, I don't look that dumb because I didn't invest that much money. And she's like, well, check your palladium stash because it's gone. I think that's funny as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, what? (laughs) She's like, oh, you didn't lose much? Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? And so she leaves and like takes all the girls with her and she's like, bye. And then Hiram goes home and like realizes that bad things (laughs) happened to him. And that's that storyline. Bada bing. Bada boom. Bling bing. <laughs> they sure, that sure was a storyline. Yep. Yep. And now it's time for Jughead. And Sam has, first of all, the summary and also some really upsetting thoughts for it. And yep. I'm, I can't decide if I'm excited or terrified. Both. terrified. Jughead's at another 8A waiting, celebrating being seven days sober. He thinks he's ready to start his apology tour. First up, he goes to the Cooper house to see Betty, but she's not there. Alice answers into the door, looking absolutely wrecked. She tells him that Betty's out working the lonely highway. He doesn't offer Alice any help, and instead he just, uh, is like, okay, tell Be- tell Betty I stopped by. Bye. Ugh, I'm so mad okay. about that. At school the next day, Weatherby explains that Jughead, to Jughead that he is on administrative leave now for having missed multiple weeks of school without arranging a substitute. Jughead says that he's just trying to get his life together, and Weatherby says, well, when that happens, you can resume teaching. Totally right. fair. Yeah. Outside Pops, Jughead gets a call from his agent. He says that he needs Jughead's manuscript ASAP. Sam says that if he doesn't deliver, his career is going to be over. Jughead says that he has pages and he'll send them by the end of the day. Inside, he talks to Tabitha and she apologizes to him for not sticking by him while he was high. He tells her that she didn't do anything wrong and she he never should have put her in that position in the first place. She forgives him. He asks her about the novel that he drafted that night, but she tells him that Betty gave it to Jessica. Tabitha explains that it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. She tells him that his sobriety is more important than his manuscript and maybe he can just ask for an extension. He says that he doesn't really have a choice now and if he's a writer, he's got to write something. Jughead goes to the bunker to think and he remembers that Cora gave him her novel to read. He also finds a bottle of whiskey. Jughead reads Cora's manuscript and it appears that he's poured himself a glass of whiskey but he hasn't drunk it yet. He calls Sam to tell him that he's written an entire novel and Sam says send it over right away and Jughead says he will. He hangs up and tears off the cover of Cora's manuscript with her name on it. Then he downs the glass of whiskey and gets a text from Betty, asking why he stopped by the house the other day. Betty, uh, at her house, sits in front of her vanity and takes off her makeup. He asks if they can meet and talk in person. She agrees, and he asks her to come to the bunker the next day. Betty meets Jughead at the bunker, and they share a drink. She tells him what she's doing on the Lonely Highway, and he asks if that's safe, but she says no, 
But she's running out of ideas. He tells her that he wants to apologize for the voicemail and the way he treated her. He tells her that he's in recovery now from being an alcoholic and an addict. While they're having a glass of whiskey, by the way. Yeah. Literally, at that point, Betty should have been like, all right, let's put that down. It's like, then, we should probably you know? not. I'm just going to take that. Yeah. But Betty's also f***ed up, which yeah. is what we're about to yeah. discuss. She tells him that she's an addict, too, or more compulsive. She says that her whole MO lately is just stalking serial killers, even though she knows that she should be home caring for Alice. In college, she said that uh, everything felt empty. She says that she's more comfortable studying serial killers than socializing with normal people. She says that the night of Jughead's book release, she had to choose between him or the TBK task force. She says that she is consumed by serial killers, and he tells her, hey, maybe you should take a break. And she's like, I don't think I can do that. Jughead gets a phone call from Sam, and he tells him it's the best thing he's ever written. Jughead comes clean and tells him that it's not his and Sam is super disappointed and says he's got to drop him as a client. Jug understands and says that he'll send over Cora's information and then hangs up and turns around and Betty is gone. Later at Pops, Tabitha asks Jug if he's okay. He says he's worried about Betty and she agrees, but she's also worried about him because she smelled booze on his breath earlier. She says that he needs to focus on himself and she'll take care of Betty. He asks why she's so nice to him and she says that he's her friend and she cares about him. She asks that he promise to keep going to his AA meetings and he does and then she asks him to tell her what's going on with Betty. Elsewhere, Betty comes down from the upstairs, ready for another night on the lonely highway to find Alice passed out on the couch with a bottle of wine and a bottle of pills. Betty doesn't really notice, though, as she tucks her in and she heads over to the door, but hears a knock, and it's Tabitha. She says that she knows nothing will stop Betty from going, so she's going with her. At another AA meeting, Jughead says he's back to day one. Tonight, he's worried about his friends, but he's grateful for his meetings, and he's working to accept the things that he can't change. He's just got a real bad feeling about what happens next. Ooh. So Jughead, like you said, is back at AA, seven days sober, and you know what? Every day is an accomplishment. So mm-hmm. It good is. For him. He's like, I'm gonna go apologize to people. So he goes to see Alice, and she's like, Betty isn't here. Um, I hope that seeing Jughead doesn't make her, like, upset and is like reminded of FP. I need to know what's going on in Alice's head because not only is her daughter missing, but like something clearly went very wrong with FP and we have no idea about any of this. Yeah, because like Betty's just out on the lonely highway and she knows about it and she just like lets her go do that. Yeah, not only that, but, like, Alice is also raising, like, Polly's children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, tell her I stopped by, and Alice is, like, really sad. I'm like, stay here and make her feel better. She's, like, really sad. Like, she looks like she's been crying. Like, yeah. She doesn't seem well at all. No. It's like, well, I gotta go do my apology tour. I'm sure you need to apologize to this woman for something. Yeah, I'm sure. Get in that house. Get in that house and do something about this. At least apologize on behalf of your (laughs) father. You're both struggling. (laughs) Invite her to your meetings. I don't know, you know? Like, all the people at the AA meetings are like, listen, we already heard Jughead's story, so, like, it can't get any weirder. Oh, it got weirder. Oh. Oh, interesting. You were in a cult? Yeah. (laughs) Even if he had just been like, are you all right, Mrs. Cooper? Yeah. Or like, so, you know, mm-hmm. something. And and she, even if she had brushed him off then, like, at least he would have asked. At least he would have done something. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. So Weatherby says that he's on administrative leave because you left for weeks and you didn't even arrange a sub. So, I, I cannot believe that, like, like, I understand Kevin calling Mr. Weatherby Waldo because he's been working with him for t- seven years. But I can't believe Jughead doing it. I I still would call my teachers by their, like, full teacher name. Mm-hmm. Even when, like, um, the... The drama teacher that, like, changed my life in high mm-hmm. school. When I was in college, we did a show together, like a, sure. a summer show. It was a Shakespeare show, and he was on the cast, and I was also on the cast, right? Yeah. I couldn't call him Bill. 
couldn't do it so I just kept calling him by his teacher name you know I can't imagine like showing up after seven years and just being like hey Waldo like that's your principal think about it fair enough I don't enough. know I, you know what if if he's comfortable with it that's fine it just could not be me Robin's like I just don't relate I just can't it's weird uh, so I just think Mr. Weatherby it, this is totally fair what he's what he's doing like I wonder what they ended up doing about English classes because like they can't just cancel an English class like it's a core class it needs yeah. to be done or else, else you can't graduate or you can't like, I mean yeah, I imagine they the just thing. hired an alternate teacher yeah. but like where's their money yeah exactly yeah well they just took Jughead's Salary. salary. Oh, right. So he's like, well, when you figure yourself out, you can teach again. And yeah, I think Mr. Weatherby's being totally fair. Absolutely. If anything, he's being a little too generous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jughead gets a call from Sam, and he's like, get me some pages. Literally, your career will be over if you don't get this to me. Like, This is genuinely your last chance. Jughead goes on this whole, like... Apology tour. Yeah, but, like, tirade on trying to find, like, his pages. He sinks so low as to plagiarize somebody else's work. Yeah. But I'm like, if you had just taken this time, because you only have one day, do your apology tour tomorrow. Yeah. Get some pages out. Just do it now. Just, like, like write a chapter. I know that he's struggling with writer's block or whatever, but, like, it just needs to be something. Yeah. It just needs to be anything. You Literally know? write about being an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make it, it's a self-help book. <laughs> you know, whatever. Just yeah. like if he had taken the time to do that instead, then he would have been in a better place, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Tabitha apologizes to Jughead for not taking care of him when he tripped, and he says sorry for putting her in that position, and I'm sorry that I ran away and, like, worried you. Great. Very mature moment for both of them. Love it. They're they're definitely growing together. Yeah. Also, where's my manuscript? And Tabitha's like, well, Betty gave it to Jess. But it's okay because it was bad. <laughs> like, roast him. So it probably would have been, like, Tabitha didn't say this, but, like, yeah, we, we know. We literally said it was gibberish. Like, it's not good. You, it's probably better that you don't have it. Yeah. At first, when I was watching for the first time, I thought that Jess was going to plagiarize his manuscript. Mm-hmm. But then Jughead ended up doing it. But then somehow plagiarism occurred later <laughs> in the episode somehow. <laughs> you had the you had the right th- yeah. theme, but the wrong plagiarist. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, I don't know. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And I'm like, you guys were high. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys were actually doped. But I think it's funny that, like, when he went to see her, when, like, we saw in the night gallery, when he, like, went to go talk to her to figure out, like, what hospital he was in or whatever, mm-hmm. she had his pages when he was yep. there. Which yeah, is very funny. But Tabitha's basically like, if this is going to stress you out and like jeopardize the hard work that you have done for your sobriety, you shouldn't do it. And she's right. I love Tabitha so much. No one's better than Tabitha. Yeah. Yeah. Tabitha is the only person. So he's like, well, I don't really have a choice. So, oh well. <laughs> I feel like Tabitha is one of the few people in Riverdale who hasn't been corrupted by Riverdale. And that's like the one part that like is kind of scaring me mm-hmm. is because like she could easily be corrupted by Jughead, by Betty. Like she's just trying to have a good business. Yeah. And I'm worried. You know what? One of the things I was thinking about with Tabitha, within the next few episodes here, there's a thing where like Jughead has to go meet Tabitha's parents. Mm-hmm. I don't know which of her parents is the offspring of Pop, right. but I'm really excited yeah. to figure yes. out, to meet offspring of Pop. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I hope it's her mom. I imagine yeah. Pop Pop would be, like, a good, like, girl dad. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. yes, that makes perfect sense. So we go down to the bunker, and can you guys believe it? We have brought back Cora's book. Wait, it, I... has, to be, it has to be her dad, though. Her name what? is Tabitha Tate. Oh. Her mom could be cool. Maybe it's both of them. Yeah. What if she's got two moms? <gasps> oh! 
Mm, wishful thinking. <laughs> we could honestly only hope. So we go down to the bunker and we are bringing back Cora's book. I'm thrilled. However, I do have to say that the thing that I wanted to bring up, like the thing that I wanted them to bring back about Cora's book was the fact that she gave him an ultimatum of one week and nothing ever happened. Yeah. yeah. That was the thing that I kind of wanted us to bring back. I'm thrilled, but there is still a mystery that I think needed to be solved. Yeah, like, no one uh, said anything about Mm -hmm. what happened to her after. Yeah. So he reads it, and he finished the book, and it's very good. And so he calls Sam and says that he'll send it to him. Um, I do have to say, like, I don't know what he was thinking. You're not gonna get very far before she sues you. She sues your ass. Yeah. So I don't know. I have no idea. Like, you know she has proof that she wrote it. Like, she's not stupid. Mm -hmm. That's not the only copy in existence. And she has proof that he, that she probably has proof that she gave it to him, too. Yeah. The thing about, like, like, Jughead right now is he's a very short-term thinker. mm -hmm, Yeah. Like, he is not planning for the future. He is not thinking anything through. He is he is in survival mode only. Yeah, it feels like if he his plan was to be like, haha, here you go, and like sends it to him, and then like two days later be like, okay, well I needed an extension, but now that I'm done, just kidding, that's not mine. Here's mine, right? And Sam would be mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, sure, like, and he got his extension or whatever. But like, I don't think he understood the fact that he's like, well, you told me that it was yours, and that's bad, right? So that's then literally illegal. Yeah, I the most also- frowned upon practice in writing. Yeah. Exactly. I think like. At most, all Jughead could have claimed to do was be like, oh, I actually didn't like the way that was going. I'm going to completely rewrite it. I'm like, but you already had a finished book. Yeah, exactly. What were you going to do here? Right. He's like, "Ah, I'll get you some pages. I don't know. And then he goes, oh, I'm finished the whole book. If I was Sam, I'd be like, that feels... Unrealistic. Unrealistic to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you told me that you just had a couple pages and that you were struggling, but okay. Exactly. So he says that the book is about a young writer at NYU hanging out, doing sex and parties or whatever. What else? Sounds boring. What? What's the clincher? What's happening? Yeah, like what's the what's yeah. the plot? I'm like, okay, but what else? Like, what's, what's happening? the inciting incident? What are the other characters? Are is there any like you know like I'm like uh, what else? He's like, this is the best book you've ever written, and I'm like, but but what else is in, what's happening in it? And also, I think it's a writer at NYU because Cole went to NYU. Mm. Oh, that's cute. Oh God, remember the social experiment? Yes, I certainly do. I don't think I'll ever forget it. So Betty texts. Uh And they're going to chat in person the next day. We were so nervous. Yeah. Once they got them back in that bunker together and Mm -hmm. were drinking together and were, like, spilling their guts to each other. Talking about how, like, they're both addicts to, like, certain things. I was like, like, if you guys kiss, I'm going to be so mad. I'm like, if Riverdale tries to tell me that they're addicted to each other, I'm going to kill myself. Okay, but Riverdale totally would do that. Once again, I have to say, I am not against Bughead. In fact, my Snake Parents fanfiction is Bughead. Yeah. Uh, secondarily a Bughead fanfiction. But, like we've said about Varchi every episode, we've been doing Bughead since season one. Yeah. Something else, please. Mm-hmm. Mix it up. Mm-hmm. For a dollar. So Jughead says that he is an alcoholic, and you know what? That's like his dad and his dad before him. You have to be so careful when alcoholism runs in your family. Yeah. And, you know, he was struggling, you know? And yeah. so it makes sense that he would turn to that, but, like, when you know that it runs in your family, oh, like man, when you, you gotta be careful. You know it runs in your family, so you probably should, like, rarely drink in the first place. Yeah. And, but, so then he does it, and it becomes the same kind of problem that yeah. it ran in his family. And, and then he, like... I know that it's difficult. I, I, I guess I actually like it mm-hmm. that Riverdale is being a little bit realistic about how hard it is 
once you realize you've become an alcoholic, to stay to sober. It. Yeah. Because, like, he only makes it a week this time. Mm-hmm. But... But I think later he says, I hope to make it eight days. I, he does, time. and no. I think that's... Ah. I, I, at, at first well, I was annoyed. Mm-hmm. I was really annoyed that he immediately broke his sobriety. Yeah. But then I was like, actually, that's that happens to people all yeah. the time. So now I've talked myself into yeah. approving it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because it's... Unlike Archie, it's not like a magical cure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like... It just seems so weird to me. I do have criticisms about this in that it's so hard to articulate that I spent the whole show being like, this isn't realistic. They should be dealing with this trauma. And now they're dealing with the trauma. And I'm like, but you already set up that you don't do this. So now you've slowed the whole show down to deal with these real issues. And it kind of sucks. It's also like, uh, they've already done this wrong. Because they had, like, admitted that FP is an alcoholic. And then just show him drinking all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, so so you, what's... What? <laughs> exactly. No, you're completely right. Yeah. So basically, Jughead's like, hey, <laughs> sorry for that voicemail. I don't remember most of it, but I do know that it was probably horrible. From the bottom of my heart. Yeah. My, my bad. <laughs> um, and then Betty also confesses that she's, like, addicted to searching for serial killers. And then, Sometimes like, I'm like, the things that Lily has to say. Uh, hey, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is stupid. Yeah. She's been trying to fill her mystery-solving void since yeah. high school, and I'm just like, Bleh. Also, they, they were crossword. really leaning into things that made me think that they were going to kiss. Yeah. And I was just like, no, please. Because you, guys, cause you guys were together in high school and you guys were like, and, and in the trailer for next episode, we see them working together again and everything. Mm-hmm. But luckily, Tabitha is there, so it's fine. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. And they're also like, le- like playing into this, like, we're both addicts and like, we're both like really messed up people. Mm-hmm. And, and like, stop, but get some help. You know what I'm kind of wondering, though? I wonder if that is partially the very natural chemistry between Cole and Lily. Mm. Sure, it could be. But I I also think part of it was, like, the the way that it was written, uh, yeah. from, at least from Betty's perspective. Fair like, enough. what, Be- the, Betty's dialogue made it seem more yeah. kissy than, than Jughead's. And we've also seen... Like, Jughead just seemed genuinely apologetic, and yeah. Betty was like, I'm a terrible person, make me feel bad about it. <laughs> well, and we've also seen Betty turn to sex mm-hmm. when she's struggling and mentally. like as a distraction and yeah stuff. yeah so that's why i was like oh no please no god <laughs> oh, remember when we were feasting on barchi earlier that was yes. so uh, great honestly i don't know i can't remember where i saw it but some something on twitter said that we're that barchi's not done that we're still gonna do like some sort of like we're shaking it up right and i would the, like to see it right and the pictures the thing were Barchi, Jughead and Tabitha, Veronica and Reggie, mm-hmm. and then someone else. Cheryl and I, Kevin. I was like, I don't <laughs> think it's Cheryl and Tony. It was probably Cheryl. Maybe it was Cheryl and Tony. I was like, that's not Cheryl. Or it up. Cheryl and Minerva. I don't remember. Mm. Either way, three of those. Alice those, and Uncle Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, three of those. Uh, I am totally down for, and I hope that they continue to do so. Sure. Yeah. Um, but Betty's like, I should be at home with my mom, but I'm, but I'm not, because I'm busy. I'm like, yes, you, yeah, you, you should, should be at home, home with your mom. mom. Yeah. So she's like, at school, I felt empty because I have to be solving murders or there's like a void. And she couldn't make it to his launch party because she had to join the TBK task force. And that was like her only shot. It was either mm-hmm. that or this. And I feel like if she had said that, 
then Jughead yeah. would have been like, oh, I totally understand and would have been course. less angry because they enjoy solving mysteries together, you know? So yeah. I, like, I would, communication like, take this would have been better. career opportunity yes. for yourself rather than just celebrating my career opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. And so Sam calls and he's like, I love this book. It's your best so far. What a slap in the face. <laughs> a lot of slap in the face. And he's like, mm, okay, I didn't write it. There is no new novel. And he's like, okay, um, I can't really be your agent anymore. Not only because you're not giving me any pages, but also because you, like, basically committed a crime. Yeah. A literary crime. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'll send you Cora's info. And I'm like, yeah, she's not a great person, though, because she takes advantage of people and then tries to get things for her own gain, which I respect, but... But hey, at least she wrote a good book. Yeah, she's like, I might be canceled for this later in no, life. No, like, <laughs> the way that she girl-bossed her way into getting a book deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, she probably totally gave up. It's been months. <sighs> Gaslight. She's like, hello? Girl-boss. And so when he turns back around, Betty is gone. And I do believe that it was actually Betty. But at first I was like, was that supposed to be like a drunken vision of Betty? Oh my God. Because we've seen him have like drunken high visions of Betty before. Yeah. Yeah. But I am under the impression that it was really Betty. No, it was definitely real because that's how he tells Tabitha later what she's doing. Yeah. And Tabitha shows up at Betty's house. Right. Otherwise she would have been like, how did you know? Wait a second. (laughs) Wait a second. I've got something. Oh. It maybe what It could have been a vision. I'm not saying it was. (laughs) But it could have. It wasn't. Well, it could have been. Okay. Because, like, I'm just saying, if there's a reveal that it was later, I'm there. Because Alice is, Alice told Jughead that she was out on the Lonely Highway. Yeah. So, that's mostly all that Jughead told Tabitha, was that she was out on the Lonely Highway. I guess. That's a good point. Alright. I don't know. I don't think it was. I do think it was just actually Actually Betty. But if it turns out that it was a vision, for some reason. Then we knew it. Then we knew it. (laughs) Not not that I see that being, like, relevant. Mm-mm. anymore, but whatever. So Jughead's working at Pops again because he doesn't work at the school anymore, and she's like, oh, I mentioned free food and you didn't salivate. I'm like, stop teasing me with comics, Jughead. I know he isn't here. He's not here. <laughs> stop lying. I know that he's not here. Every once in a while when they're like, oh, Jughead loves food, I'm like, where? Where? He never eats That's not it. my friend Jughead. I, I, what I'm guessing is that Cole doesn't like to eat on camera, which I can't mm. blame him for because yeah. it kind of seems like a nightmare to eat if on camera. If you don't like to so eat on camera, you do not sign up to play Jughead frickin' Jones. But also, like, it's hard to eat on camera. That's true. Like, yeah, and also, wise. and like, also for your, for your own, like, personal, physical, yeah, like, you'd be eating all existence. the time. Yeah. You'd be eating, like, however long that they're shooting this, mm-hmm. you have to, like, keep taking bites of your burger. Like, Three hours in and you're still eating the same burger? Yeah. No. <laughs> so he says that he's worried about Betty and Tabitha's like, well, I'm worried about you because I smelled alcohol in you. You need to focus on you and not Betty and I will take care of Betty. Tabitha's great. <laughs> Tabitha and Betty OTP. Honestly, yeah. they have so yeah. much chemistry. Yeah. I I know that we already saw her kiss Jughead, but I need to see Tabitha kiss some more people. Yeah. When is that happening? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs some of that. <laughs> so he's like, well, I'm not a very good worker or a very good friend, so why are you so nice to me? And she, like, she cares about him. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so promise me you'll keep going to the meetings. He says, yes, he will. And then I'm going to really quickly get through the rest of this, and then I want to talk about Alice after that. Okay. Okay. So Betty gets home. Alice is asleep with pills and wine, and I'm like, good God, Betty, help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please help her. This is your mother. Like, mm-hmm. God, do something. This so, is a cry for help. Yeah. So Tabitha's here, and she says that she's going to go out there with her. You could not catch me doing this. No. Uh, Tabitha, I don't Braver know. than the Marines. Yeah, like, you're brave, but also, like, and I know that they're like, we can't stop her from doing it, but I'm like, can you try just harder? Just tie her down, yeah. then. <laughs> um, just tie her down, then. So Jughead goes back to the meeting. He says, hey, I'm back to one day sober, and, you know, I feel like everyone at the meeting is like, 
we understand. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming back. It's important for you to mm-hmm. be here. Um, and he's like, I'm worried about my friends because we see Betty and Tabitha out on the highway. And he's like, I hope some higher power is watching over them tonight because I have a really bad feeling about what is next. So, ooh, spooky. Yeah. But I'm also like, I've sort of changed my tune now about like what all happened in this episode because it really felt like nothing happened this episode Mm -hmm. after talking to you guys about it i feel like you know it was an important character episode i guess but my thing with this storyline was that like at the beginning of the storyline and at the end of the storyline jughead still doesn't have a book and betty and tabitha are still doing dangerous things you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. so like it doesn't really feel like we move forward that much but i understand that it was an important like character thing i definitely don't think we moved forward that much but Mm -hmm. yeah i do understand jughead needed to apologize to all of these people i feel like i feel like the episode just could have been faster you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the Cheryl stuff, I, I don't know if I needed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? The, yeah. pac- the pacing was not good. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the Archie stuff felt weird and, like, just, like, to tie up a loose end, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of, like, tying up loose ends, which yeah. is, like, fine, but I was just, like, yeah, none of these ends were ones that I particularly cared <laughs> yeah. about that much. Except for the stolen book. Well, we, Robin we yes. cared about that one, but I was, like, I, I gave up. I, I was just, I just, <laughs> yeah, I, Robin. I just hate when they, like give us plot points and then they don't do anything with them. I'm like, if it was going to be a, if, you've got all these cool plot points and then you don't do stuff. Like, do stuff then, you exactly. know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got about halfway through the episode and I was like, is it only halfway through? It feels like nothing's happening, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam has Alice thoughts before we move on to segments. I am sad mm-hmm. and disappointed because I've I've been here before. I do want to say though, uh, Robin Gibbons directing this episode, fantastic work. Uh, I really did like the shot of like Alice's hand, hand off yeah. the couch. With, it was like, amazing. The, the wine and the pills in the background, like that was that told me everything I need to know yes. about why I'm so upset. Her nails look so good. They really did. But I, as a person who has seen CW shows. One in particular, for much of season five. Hey, so our mic cut out during this, and we thought that the this part was kind of important. Um, and so Sam is going to re-record it for you here. <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but the basic gist of it is that it, the writing is on the wall for them to like basically screw over Alice in a really major way. Because this is exactly what they did to Abby after Kane left on the 100, basically, because her love interest was gone. So they were like, let's, you know, screw up her head. And that's really (laughs) and sexist. uh, And I don't like it. (laughs) Um, And I'm just worried that they're going to do that to Alice because they have a pattern of doing that to Alice. Because they did it in season three, basically. And, like, made her join a cult for, like, no reason. And uh, it's just, it's just not great. No one who writes for the CW has had an original thought a day in their life. Except for our friends who write for the CW. They've never done anything. (laughs) Exactly. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really frustrated and annoyed that Alice has basically got no way to come back from this. Because her options are either go crazy and become an addict and, like, get another, like, Hail Mary thing in the end of the season, which was, like, similar to season three, where they, like, rewrote or, like, undid all of her problems uh, or die. And I don't like it either option. Uh, And I would really like for Riverdale to stop just, like, writing people backsliding in really weird, disappointing ways. Yeah. 
So now it's gonna really abruptly turn to me talking about the musical episode again. <laughs> Thanks. Musical episode, by the way, was confirmed to be next to normal. I can't give myself that much credit because that's literally the name of the episode. <laughs> um, I will be watching the musical soon, but it's also about like hallucinations and like mothers and everything. And it's mm -hmm. supposed to be like take place in Alice's head or something like that. I'm worried that this is going to like unhinge her. Yeah, you know? I'm also worried about that. Yeah. And like, she's clearly not only drinking, but also using pills together with alcohol, which is just extremely dangerous and not recommended by anyone alive. And I, she's just gonna not be in a good place mentally. And then like the content of the musical, like you said, is also about like spiraling and mental health. And like, I'm just, uh, I see the writing on the wall and I'm angry about it. Yeah, I think like originally I was gonna come in here and be like, well, most people still have a parent figure. Like Veronica still has Hiram. Cheryl still has Penelope, despite Penelope being the actual Gargoyle King. They've, bro they've I, kept Penelope. I still right? love Penelope. Yeah, but they've kept her even yeah. when they did that, right? Because yeah. everyone needs a parent or whatever. Yeah. Jughead lost FP, but they also can't have Gladys because like Gina Gershon is too busy doing other things. So like- She's too famous. And plus it's, yeah. plus it's Jughead. So like, and Jughead hasn't really been close to his parents anyway. And yeah. they've kind of been around. So that's fine. But then Archie, they've brought in Uncle Frank so that he has a parent parental figure around. Yeah. Okay. Is that everybody? So then Betty is the only one left and she yeah. only has Alice. I can't, I can't imagine them getting rid of Alice, especially because Machen enjoys being on the show. Right. As well. So I'm like, God, and Betty's just lost everything if they lose if they get rid yeah. of Alice. Mm -hmm. I can't like god that'd just be terrible. And Sam's always said if Alice goes Sam goes and I'm like oh sh Yeah. She better not because <laughs> I, I this is part of my livelihood. <laughs> but I yeah I, I'm just angry and upset because either way I know that this storyline is going to hurt my feelings and not in a like emotionally satisfying hurt my feelings kind of way. It's gonna be an emotionally like I'm just sad when I watch this now. Mm -hmm. And that really annoys me because literally a year ago on my time hop, I was like, anyway, I watch Riverdale and like and now I saw I'm, that and one. now I'm like, I take it back, actually. Don't don't. Well, <laughs> let's wait and see what happens. Cause they could just undo all of this next episode after she's had her breakdown. I know, but like that's what bothers me is that they keep writing these yeah. things and then undoing them. Like all right, the, fair enough. I almost quit Riverdale in season three because the like stuff with Alice made me so angry. Like, and they, they do it with Alice and Cheryl all the time. Yeah. And it, it's, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, those two have been my favorite characters at, like, multiple points of this, the show, and I would like them to stay my favorite characters, but they keep writing them these dumbass storylines and then undoing them because they don't have the, like, intelligence to, like, commit to the storyline in a, in a respectful and satisfying way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like, okay, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, indeed. You're right. Yeah. You're f***ing right. So <laughs> now we're going to go into segments. My first segment is which character needs a hug the most. I'm just going to keep giving it to Alice. Yeah. yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. um, it's like I kind of want to give Jughead like a pat on the shoulder. <laughs> just, a just a little pat pat. But like the hug I feel like needs to go to Alice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. My segment is what is Sam shipping the most? And like... Veggie? In in the context of the actual content of the episode, I'm going to say veggie. Uh, in the context of things that I want to see happen, I'm going to go ahead and say Alice and Uncle Frank. 
All right. Yes. Okay. Because now I've decided that after next week, Alice is going to go to AA or something. And, like, Uncle Frank probably, like... Well, sorry. The musical episode is two episodes from now. Okay. Well, oh, okay. After, after the musical episode or whatever, has do we know if Uncle Frank has struggled with addiction or anything at all? Like, um, or is it just, like, PTSD? I think it's just PTSD, but that's still, like, mental health. Well, like, I would like them to, like, run into <sighs> each other because... Uncle Frank is, like, doing really, yeah. like, pretty well, mm-hmm. and I would like him she to- She likes ma- convicts. Like, like, maybe, maybe he and Alice, like, reconnect, because, like, he's- Oh, he's Fred's brother, and, like, it's yes. what, like this- Anyway, I want to see it happen. Yes. Also, um, we were talking, like, a couple episodes ago about, like, Fred and Frank, and do we know anything about their childhood? For some reason, there is not a lot about it on the Riverdale wiki, so maybe they haven't talked very much about their childhood. I don't think they have. For some reason, I thought they did, but either way, Frank is- his younger brother. That makes sense. That makes more sense to yes. me. Here's also my thought. The musical episode is the episode right before the finale of the season. Oh. So, the, the musical, musical episode, episode is the penultimate episode? Yes. That's Because oh we're not dear. doing 22, we're only doing 19 this season. It's right? just like when they do the penultimate, that's usually when all of the big stuff happens. Right. So here, no, here's what's going to happen, okay? Okay. So, penultimate episode, musical episode, musical, 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 finale, finale, cliffhanger, Alice and Uncle Frank? I or like it's going to be, it. it's going to happen in the finale. Also, and then we'll be, and then Alice will be safe because she has a love interest. I like it. That, I by like the way, it. sexism. Yeah. Sexism, oh, for sure, for sure. 100%. But I'll take I feel like it needed to be said. Yeah. I like my oh, for it absolutely did. But I like my Alice uh, safety net. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Also, since we're going with younger brother, I think it would be really really cute if because uh, like they lived, they didn't live next door to each other all their lives. They lived to get each other like later. But I think it would be cute if Frank had a crush on Alice in high school. Aww. And like never told him. Oh my god, why did we, like, I I know <laughs> I know that this wasn't a thing like all the way back in Midnight Club, but I was like, oh, who's gonna play a little bitty Uncle Frank in the throwbacks? Like, in the, in the flashbacks? Like, KJ's gonna be like, hey, it's me, Fred. Or like, they're gonna age down KJ slightly and he's gonna be like, it's me, Frank. <laughs> oh my god. Like, watch us be making all of this up and then yeah. it's Tom Keller. It's Keller. <laughs> if it's Keller, I'm gonna be pissed because I already ship this i know yeah and like he's married yeah like did they bring it up ever no i would have been okay with it if like sierra came back last episode and keller wasn't even in it exactly at least bring up like at least say like sierra's going off with josie question mark so like say something say that oh like keller and i are not together anymore or me and keller are together but long distance or whatever you know say something it's one line god (laughs) it's one line Get into the bar. Which one else is the most badass, Brittany? Um, Penelope for standing it's up against definitely singing. Penelope. You know what? Yes, it's Penelope for stopping them from singing. Sometimes theater kids need to be stopped. <laughs> I said that while <laughs> meeting Robin's Isle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my next segment is, is Chip dead or what? I don't know. 
don't know. <laughs> I'm a casualness of this. I, I don't know. I, don't I need know. to tell you guys uh, a fun little anecdote for this for this segment, uh, which is on Monday. Robert and I went to the mall. Yeah. And uh, we, oh, went, yeah. <laughs> we went shopping. I'm already afraid. Uh, at Ardeans, and at, at the mall that we go to, there's a store across Ardeans called uh, Chic Angels. But it's spelled the same way that Chick's name is spelled. Because Chick's name is spelled Chic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so every time, she was like, I was like, that's, uh, that sure is there. And she goes, every time I see it, I think of my segment. Is Chick dead? I don't know. Well, <laughs> clearly he is if he's an angel. He's an angel. I was just gonna, damn it, I was just about to make that joke. <laughs> I actually made that joke she like did. four days ago. She did at the mall. But I wasn't there, so it's new material for me. <laughs> And now it's time for our Best Line Award. My Best Line Award goes to Penelope and Cheryl for... Jason himself commands it. No more singing. Really? As you know, he was a young man of few words. Yeah, he sure was. Sure. I like when they're aware of the thing. Yeah, I uh, love it. Yeah. And mine goes to Hiram for it, and it's just the sound of his little paddle flapping. <laughs> Waving it back and forth. He like, looks so <laughs> deeply desperate. It's so, so funny. funny. It's so, like, childish. <laughs> like, it's so good. It he does so a great funny. job. It was great. And uh, mine goes to Cheryl for... I'm always happy to let you name drop my family in order to screw over your father. Because, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, in regards to next episode, so, trailer thoughts. This is the little blurb for it. After learning that a friend has gone missing, Tabitha enlists help from Jughead and Betty to investigate the disappearance. First of all, finally justice for Squeaky. This I has to be about squeaky. squeaky. Mm-hmm. Penelope plants doubt in Kevin's mind, which leads him to confront Cheryl about the ministry. Ooh. Finally, an explosion at the mines leaves several lives hanging in the balance. Okay. Ooh. So Ooh. first of all, this episode is the first episode directed by Natalie Bolt. I love that we're just doing like MILF yes. episodes. MILF, 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 Robin, Robin, Natalie. I love that. I like it. I love how they they literally were like, okay, who are we going to do for these next ones? We can't get anybody, any like directors who are like hanging around. So I guess we'll just, um, uh, what's it called when you work at like a retail store and they have a promotion available instead of hiring from inside? Hiring from within? (laughs) Yeah, the hiring from within basically is what they're doing. Honestly, I bet you when actors direct is actually a huge deal, Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if Napple like had to campaign for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, like, they gave it to Machen last year, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Robin and Nat were both like, hey, can I do one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I feel like Riverdale might be the kind of place that's like, yeah. Yeah. I think so, because, because it's a, uh, I think it's an advertising opportunity for Mm -hmm. them. Plus, especially with, like, it's different when it's, like, the, the younger cast who's, like, less established and, like, this is their big break. Yeah. Like, Machen and Natalie and, and Robin are all, like, established actors who, Mm -hmm. like, have done things. And Uh, they don't have to do as much they have a more impressive, yeah, they have a more impressive resume. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like when um, when Ian did that episode of The Hundred, and it's like, it's okay for him not to really be in the episode because he's like one of the supporting characters as team adults, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's he why he's already like, a director. Yeah. Like, he'd already directed stuff. So we see Hiram watching a clock countdown again, and of course, we basically got the exact same trailer uh, when he blew up the prison. Um, so this man just loves bombs. Yeah. 
Um, and we've got a mind collapse, which is clearly what Hiram's doing. Hiram, I know that you're mad, but you are putting, like, other people's lives in danger yeah. now, which isn't great. Um, but, like, that's that's Hiram for you. Yeah. Like, he's always been willing to kill people. Uh, but two people are still inside the mines, and I was like, ooh, which two? Uh, but then later at the very end of the trailer, Veronica says, if Archie dies, you die. She says that to Hiram. So I assume that Archie is one of the people that's stuck in the mines, because oh, yeah. of course he is. Mm-hmm. Who the second one is? I don't know. Eric and then they kiss. I was about to say, what if it's Eric and then they have like an emotional, like, yeah. comfort, like trapped in an Hello. elevator moment. Wait, that would be kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> they literally like uh, proclaimed their love for each other. Like, we know like, Roberta wants gay Archie. Yeah, Let's do like, it. Just Pull the trigger. Do it. Oh my god. So we see Cheryl is also praying outside of the mine because she believes that she's a saint and she can do miracles, so she's sure. trying to do one. Jughead has made a connection um, with Betty and Tabitha, probably about Squeaky, I assume. We see Tony with the Mothman. She's scared of the Mothman. Nana Rose talks about Mothmen. Um, we see Betty with a gun. What else is new? And we see Cheryl crying. What else is new? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thank you to our lovely roommate Emily for hanging out in her room for this episode. We appreciate her. She's an icon. Mm-hmm. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We um, like reviews. Yeah, or wherever you listen. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. Um, we did seasons four to seven as they were airing, spoiler free, and now we're going back to uh, complete the set and do the good old days as a catharsis for what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we're in the, we're doing season three right now, but that is spoilers. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We are almost done with that's all crazy. that's existing right now. That's so crazy. Uh, it's also, I think, our most underrated podcast, so I think you should definitely check it out. If you're a fan of Lost, we talk about that show too. Um, we are in the back half of season three. It is spoiler free. It is our um, longest and most big brain podcast. And we also have guests over there. That podcast truly is my pride and joy. So I really appreciate it if you check us out. Even if um, it's like your first time watching, you can do that. It's spoiler free. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. Um, Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. That's true. I do. Our Patreon, like I said earlier, is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because oof, it is expensive what we do um, and we put in a lot of work and we would really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. She's right. If you can't do Patreon, shopylux.com. Can't do that. Recommend us to a friend. <laughs> or all three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or recommend shopylux.com to a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All the things we do are quality. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, true. Is it? Well, I, I hope so. No, it yes. is. It's well, true. Well, all the things that we just mentioned are quality. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-Y pretty much everywhere. Um, the next episode is episode 517. It's called Dance of Death. All right. As far as I can tell, this isn't like a movie or anything or a TV show. So mm. it is Iron Maiden's 13th album. Um, but it's also like a concept. So the Dance of Death, which is also called Dance Macabre, uh, is a medieval allegorical concept of the all-conquering and equalizing power of death expressed in the drama, poetry, music, and visual arts of Western Europe, mainly in the late Middle Ages. That that one plane is like, that's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. At this description, I'm uh, I'm going to be disappointed when no one dies next week. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. I say that, and then they're going to actually kill Archie, and I'm going to be like, Wait. Uh, no, if they take it back. If they kill Archie, first of all, whoa, that is big dick energy, that is. Um, and second of all, I... If, if they kill Archie, I'm I, out. Yeah, yeah. 
In in season two, if you had said they're killing Archie, I would have been like, haha, good. But now I'm like, excuse me. That's, that's my he's boy. child. He's working through his PTSD. That's my man. That's me boy. No, they yeah. can't they can't kill Archie and then have Alice and Uncle Frank. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> they're gonna kill Archie and Archie's gonna be like, you also lost your daughter figure? Uh, please uh, embrace me in this grief. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> I do think it's funny that we spent so long uh, theorizing about who was uh, at the door mm-hmm. when and it was when just head. Was head. Just head. Yeah. You joking? Was like, you know what? Actually, mother, hey. daughter yeah. than mother. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, get in there, Jughead. You know it exists. You know people have written. It. Oh, hundred percent. And you know what? Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me. My toes, they are stepped on. <laughs> Do it. My toes. Ouch. I'm going to step on your toes for real. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, love you. Bye.